This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. Ho, 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 and welcome to this very special edition of the Red Box podcast from The Times. I'm Matt Chorley, and this is part one of the Red Box Quiz of the Year. Over the next two episodes, we'll test the knowledge of political journalists, columnists, and MPs to find out who's been paying most attention during 2019, who will emerge with a shock landslide victory, and who will be proved to be thicker than a model of Andrew Bridgen made from mashed potato. Uh, returning champions, the political journalist Red Box supporter Esther Weber and TMS Diary editor Patrick Kidd. On the columnist team, Daniel Finkelstein is back but is upgraded from Hugo Rifkin, his teammate last year, to be joined by Rachel Sylvester. And on the MPs team, one of the only Conservative MPs not to run for leader this summer, Tom Tugendhat, and one of the only Labour MPs left in Britain, Angela Rayner. Uh, but it's okay, Angela, because if you lose you can blame Brexit, the weather, the media and, of course, Jeremy Corbyn. So, question number one, Angela. Are you going to yeah. run for the Labour leadership? <laughs> Brutal. Why don't you just go in there? <laughs> no, no coffee. No, you know. There's mince pies. You've got my Thank you. It's, it's, it's going to take more than a mince pie for me to announce on on your podcast whether I will be running for leader or not. So, so you're not not announcing. I'm not announcing anything. I'm playing a quiz and I'm going to win. <laughs> Very good. So it'd be nice to win something. Now, uh, Tom and Angela, I should just point out that being on the MPs team could be either very good or very bad for your career prospects. Michael Gove appeared on the quiz in 2016 and was in the cabinet a year later. Johnny Mercer was on last year and is now a minister. So play your cards right, Tom. And Boris Johnson might forget you accusing him of cheap schoolboy stunts and once saying, I didn't get into politics to talk about Boris, there are many more interesting things to talk about and after that he might give you the job. On the other hand, it's worth pointing out that previous guests on the quiz include Ruth Smith, Caroline Flint and Anna Subri, and they're not even MPs anymore. So best of luck to both of you. Well, after that introduction, I'm thinking of uh, <laughs> supporting Tom for Labour leadership. <laughs> um, so we bid farewell to 2019, a year of goodbyes. Theresa May left to spend more time on the after-dinner speaking circuit. Tom Watson left to slim down and become a fitness instructor. Jeremy Corbyn slimmed down the Labour Party and then refused to leave. And then just in time for Christmas, John Burko left to become a full-time elf on the shelf. Let's start as uh, the Prime Minister would at any occasion like this by pulling a cracker. Uh, you've all got your Christmas crackers in front of you and as we're doing that let's do your highlights of the political year. Oh, are we all, oh let's all do it proper old Lang Syne style. Uh, there we are. There we are. Oh, no, come Danny's on. doing his I'm Jewish so I've never pulled a cracker before routine. It's the only time I ever pull a cracker. <laughs> There we go. One, one, last one. There There you go. So, um, rather than reading out your jokes, let's do your political highlights of the year. Let's start with you, Esther Weber. 
Um, I thought I would talk about John Burko and um, he's obviously had a bumper year being at the centre of all the kind of Brexit bill procedure controversy. He announced in the summer that he would be stepping down to kind of great gasps in the comments. There then followed the inevitable scene on his final PMQs of MPs paying tribute for several hours uh, and the sight of Mr Burke himself moved to tears by his own eulogy <laughs> by the amazing. testimony to him and now he's available to appear on Sky News on Italian game shows and he definitely won't be appearing on this quiz I have a feeling I think you might be right I think you might be right we couldn't afford it uh, Patrick your highlight of the year um, I think it's the decatting of Downing Street this this was from the day that Theresa May stood down in May it was only a year ago just over a year ago Theresa May was voted by Forbes magazine the second most powerful woman in the world and now where is she She's not, she's not even the second most powerful woman in Theresa May's house. Well, indeed. And on the day that she, she stood, we were gathered there on Downing Street, and Larry the Cat, who I think is now on to his fourth Prime Minister, uh, was sitting on the doorstep, as cats do, sort of looking contemptuously at the press. And obviously Theresa May had to come past Larry to deliver her resignation. But Larry wasn't moving, and the door opened, and uh, an aide inside beckoned Larry in. Larry went, yeah, did some cat V sign. Um, and the door shut, and Larry continued to sit there. And then it opened again, the policeman came out, grabbed Larry, and took him. And it was a bit like a teenage child being made to say goodbye to their aunt. I don't care if you don't like her, you're going to say goodbye. And I thought, three cheers for Larry, who is still there and will presumably still be there. Whenever Labour get back into I mean, I felt he could have done a dirty protest, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what my cats do, leaving little golden nuggets every now and again. Well, she does have kitten heels. So. <laughs> uh, Rachel, what was your highlight of the year? I am going for Lady Hale's brooch, or brooches. So there was obviously the famous spider one when she ruled against Boris Johnson and his prorogation of Parliament. But she has a whole range of these amazing brooches, the caterpillar, the butterfly, the fox, the frog. Uh, and there was something so symbolic about this sort of little old lady with the spider brooch bringing down the Prime Minister and all his sort of gileified, trendy advisors. Um, <laughs> what else could you mean? You're <laughs> sort of too posh to wear normal clothes too to the posh office. To wear and then there was a um, replica range came out later that day. Yes, so and then already there was a sort of, in fact it was a business in Boris Johnson's constituency producing t-shirts with the spider on it. And then of course the spider with girly swat slogan attached to the t-shirt. And then Lady Hale herself called herself a girly swat. So there were so many digs at the Prime Minister and also what was the brooch meant to signify? Was it sort of si signalling that, you know... Um, oh, what a tangled web we weave, that's it. So that was it, my, Lady Hale's brooch. Lady Hale's brooch. Danny, what was your oh, I think mine would have to be Graham Brady, Sir Graham Brady's leadership bid. <laughs> uh, strictly speaking, it wasn't actually a leadership bid. He was he was uh, described as mulling a leadership bid, but he never he was the only person who mulled it. Uh, and um, <laughs> he actually stood down from being chairman of the uh, Backbench 1922 committee to mull and w when he mulled he found that no one was mulling with him so therefore he's 
retook the chairmanship of the 1922 committee after the election. But it always amuses me when people run for the leadership without literally anybody supporting them. There were several people who did this. Sam Dima did it. Also, Kit Malthouse ran for the yeah. leadership with about five people supporting him. There were a number of others I've even forgotten who they were. But I thought his took the prize, really. I, th I, I remember being told that on the day when Theresa May was announcing she was going to resign, Graham Brady was in Downing Street. And Theresa May ended up spending quite a lot of time talking to Graham, trying to help him through his personal anguish of what he should do and she ended up rather than worrying about the fact she was about to resign as prime minister she was sort of helping graham with his own troubles his, uh, amuse me. well at least graham brady can get on with his other career now as the duke of york impersonator angela what was your highlights in a highlight packed year okay so the most random was me being asked whether I'd nationalised a sausage, which <laughs> you can imagine the amount of blokes on Twitter that said you can nationalise my sausage, <laughs> which is a bit gross, I'll be honest. Um, this was on a. I ruled a, a it young, out though, I'm not nationalising question time. It was, it was a young person. You were asked, would you nationalise sausages? Yeah. It was a bit random. But my most sort of, my highlight of the year has got to be uh, doing a sitting in Parliament and was all singing and having good fun. And then at about two o'clock in the morning, we we're all a bit like, well, what do we do now? Everyone else is gone. <laughs> so we all just like gracefully left and gone. Right, cheerio! In a great British way, we all went. Yeah, this was fun. Now let's go. <laughs> I just walked out and went home. So that was that was sort of my highlight. Yeah. And um, will nationalising sausages be part of your leadership campaign? <laughs> No, very good. <laughs> <laughs> it worked Jim Hacker, didn't it? Jim Hacker became Prime Minister because of the, the, the Great British sausage. The Euro sausage. Yeah, there's some mileage in that. Tom, your highlight of the year? Oh, well, there's a few. I have to say, seeing uh, John Burko going from uh, dominating all he surveys in the, in the Commons to shouting ordine in some sort of bizarre spoof Italian accent on, on Rai Uno or whatever it is, <laughs> is like some sort of performing monkey, is, is quite bizarre. And that has made me laugh a lot today. But my favourite interview, actually, uh, of the year has been uh, the phone-in where Nigel Farage was called up by somebody who changed their mind. I can't remember whether they yeah. said they were voting Brexit now and they voted Remain or the other way around. And, and they went they voted through. voted Remain and they said they'd now, that something had happened to them and now they were going, they, now they would leave. It, it was, what was wonderful about it, actually, was not the politics of it, but yeah. this extraordinarily long lead-up to the gag that the person had been kicked in the head and now thought like Nigel Farage. Yeah. And it was just... He'd been kicked was, in the head by a horse and now, now he was definitely <laughs> in favour of leave. But it was the pace <laughs> of the interview was absolutely beautifully done. And whoever that was, whoever the spoofer was, had absolutely got it to a T because it left Nigel Farage absolute silence for about 30 <laughs> seconds, which is really quite a long time for him. Although hopefully uh, that period of silence from him will last much longer now in the coming months. Excellent, let's get on. Let's um, uh, get down to the quiz, shall we? Right, so down to round one. Now, if I said the name Theresa May, would that mean anything to you? If not, it means the therapy in the gallons of gin has successfully erased the full horror of her premiership from your memory. But that does mean you probably won't do very well in this round, which is about everyone's favourite raconteur, the colour beige and a trouser suit, so spectacularly ill-equipped to be Prime Minister that her efforts helped to convince an entire nation that Boris Johnson was competent by comparison. You've got two questions for each team. They can't answer, then other teams can buzz in afterwards. We'll start with the MPs. Ooh. What is Theresa May's middle name? Tom. God knows. Theresa Tom May. Well, <laughs> I'm just thinking that Tom will know her more Tom, intimately yes, yeah. than I do, so he might <laughs> know the answer I don't think other than anybody except Philip knows her at all intimately. I think that was one of the issues, wasn't it? <laughs> the, um, 
I have no idea. No, we'll open it up. You want to buzz? Do we lose the point? There we are, Esther. Mary. Mary is the correct answer. Oh, I was uh, say Bernard. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I'm pleased I didn't get that correct. If exactly, I'm honest, exactly. I'm really yeah, pleased about that. Reduced. My street cred is, you know, interesting. <laughs> I think if you're worried about your street cred, well, you perhaps shouldn't have come on this quiz. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm question. regretting it already. Second question for the MPs: What game did Theresa May play against Giuseppe Conte, the Italian Prime Minister, in February? Paul. Twister. Paul is no, correct. Sorry. It was a Twister. <laughs> Twister. Uh, well done. One point there for the MPs. Right on to the columnists. Is Theresa May flew out to Europe for a last-ditch uh, fight on behalf of Blighty. What footage did the News at Six use by mistake on BBC One? It, one of her her, her oh sort of panicked it's missions so to Brussels. No, OK, we'll open it up if you want to buzz in. Go on. It wasn't the Dam Busters or something like oh, yeah, that. Yeah, it was your British fighter planes heading for mainland. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, which is very funny, uh, so that's a bonus point for the MPs. Uh, second question for the columnists. Uh, when the Prime Minister's official Twitter account paid tribute to Salisbury a year after the Novichok attack, he used a photo of which city? So it wasn't Salisbury. Was something, was it? Norwich? No. Anyone else? Evie. Tom, Tom, no. Winchester? No, you've gone through all the small <laughs> cathedral cities. The answer was Bath. <laughs> Bath was the answer we looking for. Right, journalists, first question. Who did Theresa May, you can pick one of these two. Theresa May named two of her favourite literary villains. Can you name either of them? I'd like to hope it's Rastapopoulos from the Tintin books. That's <laughs> not the right answer. It's two more <laughs> obvious uh, than that. Literary villains. Um, Go. Oh, I can't remember. Okay. No, but I'll open it up if you want to buzz. Angela? Is it the wicked stepmother? <laughs> no. Moriarty. Moriarty's one, there we are. Moriarty is one, and um, so another point for Tom. Uh, Lord Voldemort was the other one. Is it? She's oh, ever yeah. read the Harry Potter book. Uh, you know, on, on the Lord wicked, Voldemort, by the way. Honestly, the wicked stepmother's like when David Roberts went on Universe Challenge and answered marks to everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, Francis Maud once told me that his children called him Volder once he got his period because he was Lord Voldemort. Oh, very good. Uh, we can have a bonus point for that. Bonus point for that. And Danny can have a bonus point for being um, rude about David Iwanovich. And second question. <laughs> which, which TV advert did Theresa May quote in February when trying to say that Brexit would be straightforward? Um, it was compare the market. Compare the market. It's very good. Well done. That's the end of round one. The scores currently stand. Three points to the MPs, three points to the reporters, and one for the columnists. Right, on to round two. Brexit. It all seems so long ago. There was a time when it was not possible to get Brexit done. So in this round, it's all about the torturous failed attempts to drag Britain out of the EU. It's fingers on the buzzers, this one. OK, question number one. When Britain did not leave the EU on March the 29th, what was the first extension date? Tom? April the 30th. No. June the 30th. Danny, no, that's wrong. Esther? April 11th. Oh, dangerously close. April the 9th. Wrong way. April the 12th. April the 12th is the <laughs> <laughs> Patrick, just shouting out, you clearly didn't know the answer. French newspaper Le Monde published a story in January raising the prospect that a no-deal Brexit would lead to a drastic shortage of what? Patrick? Olive oil? No. Champagne? No. <laughs> More day-to-day? -to -day. Toilet roll. Toilet roll is a great answer, well <laughs> then, Patrick. How much did you have to pay to go on Nigel Farage's Brexit betrayal walk from Sunderland to London? Tom? £100. No. Patrick? £50. Quid. £50 is correct. I walked... Well, I did, I did the did Doncaster leg. No, I didn't pay. <laughs> I wa Walking with dinosaurs. It was um, the, the route into to Doncaster. It was quite bizarre. 
To be fair, we're all going to pay a bit more than 50 quid now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. For £50, you've got like a map, uh, a water bottle and a high-vis jacket. And you've got a, a Weatherspoon's pint at every... every... Yes, and the, the, well, the high-vis jacket was useful because um, for drives at night, it's got to see the, the, quite the black shirt. Um, right, uh, next question. Who was overheard discussing the prospect of a significant delay to Brexit in a Brussels bar? Danny. Ollie, Ro Ollie Robbins. Ollie Robbins, correct, the PM's chief Brexit negotiator. Uh, which European government had a bright blue Brexit monster to advise citizens to prepare for the worst? Dutch. Very good, Tom, that's the correct answer. And finally, which Brexiteer posted a photo on Twitter of herself in a neck brace with the message, that's the last time I swing on my chair during a meeting, whiplash and concussion? Esther? <laughs> Andrea Jenkins. Andrea Jenkins is the correct answer, proving that these really are the people now running the country and they can't even sit on a chair. At the end of that round, the scores are in third place, the columnists with two, in second place, the MPs with four, and the reporters have got seven. This round is called Let's Get Close. Knowing that you all have an eye for detail, I'm going to ask you all the same question. The closest guess gets the point. So, how many hours and minutes did MPs spend debating Theresa May's deal before it was voted down for the first time? Let's start with the columnists. Hours and minutes. Hours and minutes. Oh, it was three days, wasn't time. it? So I would say... I would say 22 hours. 22 hours. Okay. MPs? God, it felt like longer than that. 62 hours, five minutes. 62 hours and five oh, minutes. Hundreds. This was We're just, just on the, on the just debate. Just on the bill. I took the figure from when you worked it out, Esther, so I think oh. this is... <laughs> <laughs> so you really ought to know the answer. This is, yeah, on, on, yeah, debating her bill before it was voted down the first time, her deal. Well, if you worked it down, I'll go with you. Oh, because they glazed 42 it. 42 years. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Let's have a think about this. She pulled it the first time. I, I, remember. Remember. I think it might be 50 hours. 50 hours. Yeah. Well, I can tell you the correct answer is 64 hours and 21 oh. minutes. Oh. Yes, very, I remember very every good. one of them. I forgot them. that they didn't, she pulled it, they started yeah, again. Yeah, they started yeah. again. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, one of the yeah. MPs began by saying, can I wish everyone a Merry Christmas? When he was speaking on January the 12th. It's <laughs> <laughs> a speech I was planning to give. I couldn't be bothered to change it. Question two in this round. According to the Hansard website, how many times did John Burko use the word I in the House of Commons? 17,362. 17,362, says Tom for the MPs, while Angela gets stuck into one of my mince pies. Uh, does it come with a free dentistry treatment? By <laughs> they, are a bit, they are a bit hard. Like our manifesto did, because they, they are a I, bit hard. I, I, I took my mind off them, and they, they're, they're more than oven ready. Tanya and Rachel, how many times do you think John Burko used the word I in the House of Commons? 52,433. 52,433. And Esther and Patrick? I think he would have said one, or me thinks, or things like that. 17,360. I feel <laughs> sorry for the person that's had to count this. So no, I, I just put I just put I in and, and then yeah, it's just a quick search. The wonder of the internet, your, so you're your, just alleging um, it on your what the internet has, says. has paid off, Patrick. <laughs> the correct answer is 16,062. So that's mm. a point for the MPs. Wow. Uh, so usually I do what? read your copy. I was pretty close. <laughs> Sorry, so what did I say? Point for the MPs. Sorry, I was distracted. I was distracted by how tough my uh, mince pies are. Um, <laughs> that's a point for the reporters. Right, uh, final one in this round. In a YouGov poll in January, 9% of leavers, that's the sound of Danny opening a can of Diet Coke, closest again. In a YouGov poll in January, 9% of leavers said they would mind if a close relative married a Remainer. But what proportion of Remainers said they would mind if a loved one tied the knot with a lever? 
So it's nine percent for levers would be upset if they're. Three, so we'd have to so you, yeah, so you need a percentage okay. again. So uh, who's going to go first? Go on then, Danny. And Twenty-three. Twenty-three. Twenty-six. I think it's more like forty. Actually, I think it was much higher. Yeah. Forty. Forty. Yeah. The correct answer is thirty-seven percent of Remainers said they would mind if a loved one tied a knot with a lever. Who settles MPs out in touch with the electorate? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Right, this is um, the final round in round one of the quiz. My favourite round. This is called Who Said That? What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a list of quotes. One of you reads out the quotes and the other one has to guess who said it. Um, You get extra points if you do particularly good impressions. Um, You will have, I think, you can have two minutes. So hopefully we'll get through quite a few of these. Who is currently in last place? What's the current (laughs) story? Yeah, the, sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, the electronic scoreboard is telling us the columnists are still on two. The uh, MPs are on six, and the reporters are on eight. So the columnists can go first, I think, on this one. Who is going to read, and who is going to guess? I'll read. There we are. If you could pass that down to Rachel, and your time. But remember, extra points for impressions, Rachel. Uh, your time starts <laughs> now. I do so with no ill will, with, but with enormous and enduring gratitude to have had the opportunity to serve Theresa the country May. I love. Theresa May must be the only li- le- leader in living memory who has tried to fall on her own sword and has managed to miss. You should have got my accent there, Danny. That was a good, um, that was a good impression there. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it was, I didn't get it. Think of a yeah. Scottish person. Nicola Sturgeon. Yeah, there yeah. we go, there we go. Um, it was Scottish. I gave, uh, I'm not going to do an impression here. I gave the Prime Minister my ideas on how to negotiate it and think you would have been successful. Yep. You focus your mind on her face and together with me I will be focusing my mind power. We're going to instruct her to go for a second voting, to go to do a second referendum. Think mind power. Somebody who thought that they could change the outcome of the referendum by sort of rubbing spoons. Bending spoons. Keir Starmer. <laughs> <laughs> Yuri Geller. I don't want I anyone to go through what anyone has gone through. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> One of my favourite quotes of the year, that. That's a brilliant. I don't want anyone to go through what anyone has gone through. <laughs> was that also Theresa May? No, oh. Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, was it? Oh, this is a good one. Oh, I yes, s- it was, yeah. I set trends, then man copy. 
Oh God! Michael it's too Gold. embarrassing, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what it's. It's true, and it's too embarrassing to answer. Two educational reformers, I like Stormzy yeah. and Michael Gove. Although my favourite one is Shut Up. <laughs> David Cameron sent me a text, and he asked me to stay. It was a bit late. He's a very busy man. Think of a Tory MP who then left. Oh yeah, um, um, it was. Was it Sam Gima? No, Anna Subri. Anna Subri. Yeah, of course it was. He could easily be Prime Minister, but we could do without the anti-Semitism. That Sorry. could be millions of people. <laughs> Thankfully, that's, that's gone most off mercifully. Of the that, exactly, that's the, time is up, I'm afraid. Um, the answer on that was Tom Watson. Um, and I was going to give an extra point for your, your, your at least your uh, Nicholas Sturgeon question. <laughs> what about my Michael Gove? Not so oh, you do a Michael I, Gove. I, I wasn't aware that you were doing the Michael Gove <laughs> She was doing a Michael Gove impersonating Pretty, Stormzy. Yeah. Stormzy. It's very, very there's a layer upon layer <laughs> uh, in that. Very good. What, how many did they score from that one? Five. Five. A whopping five points. Excellent. Right. Uh, let's do the MPs next. Who's going to read and who's going to get? Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies first. Right. Very good. So Angela's going to read. This may not go quite as well as you'd hoped. <laughs> I think she's used to that as a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, hang on a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you need the answers? Oh, I, I have to do impressions as well. As well. Yeah, yeah, you, you have impressions as well. If you okay. don't do impressions, I'm never going to get it. Okay. Andrew Rain, your time starts now. The Liberal Democrat policy on referendums is not the policy of Gladstone Swinson. or Lloyd George. It's the policy of Vicky Pollard. But, no, but, yeah, but, no, but, yeah. Oh, Michael Gove. Yeah. Very good. It's not just being black or a funny tinge. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's oh, not yeah. just about being black or a funny tinge. No idea. Come on. How quickly, <laughs> how quickly we forget Can we do change you on the buzzer? Okay. No, that's Angela Smith uh, yeah. launching uh, oh, yes. the change you, the independent yeah, group live on television. Okay, this but one, then it didn't exactly pick this up. This one's really easy for you. David Cameron sent me a text and he asked me to stay. That would be Anna Subri. Well done. Thank you. You could easily be proud. Wait a minute. This is a terrible list of. May I say this is going terribly well for you? Yeah. This is a fiasco. Tom Watson. Yes. Well done. And then he said, are you saying that because you've got a small penis? So I said, as a matter of fact, mate, no, quite the opposite. Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> which, of your, which of your colleagues in the Tory party would go on uh, the television and start talking about the Mark size? Mark Francois. Mark Francois. I've heard of a deal which has now been taken away and polished so that it is a polished turd, but it might be the best turd that we have before us. Is that Boris? No. It's Steve Double. Every knife sold in the UK should have a GPS tracker fitted in the handle. It's time we had a national database like we do with guns. This sounds like a Lib Dem policy. Okay. No. <laughs> it was one of you your, another one of your excellent colleagues yeah. suggested that every knife should have a GPS tracker oh, in the handle. I know who it was. It was um, the fellow who can't swim, who Johnny Mercer saved out of the water um, when he was drowning. Um, That's right. Um, Surname we had one, but he defected he, to you guys. He was a postie. He's a really nice guy, and I can't believe my mind has gone blank. That's rather embarrassing, actually. He's a really decent guy. I'm just going to let you talk to run down yeah. your time. Uh, <laughs> Scott Mann. Time Scott is Mann, thank up. you. That's right. And uh, yes, yeah, Scott Mann is the correct yeah. answer. Oh, I have a oh yeah, and then he came back and said it was one. the most stupid idea. Never mind. Yeah. You'll to have be to fair to him, which I thought Donald was actually Trump brilliant. You got a Donald Trump. Come on, we need to have a Donald Trump impression. I can't believe you didn't give out Angie and Angela Rayner quote. That would have been good. Well, no, but instead I gave well, he probably thinks he did by doing the yeah, but no, but yeah, but. But I, <laughs> I instead gave them a load of quotes that they'd already heard, which was made it slightly um, easier. So who's reading Esther and who's Delight. guessing? Shall I read? 
Uh, I don't mind. Yeah, can you do impressions? Yeah. <laughs> Go on. Okay, go right. On. S2 is reading. Okay. Your time starts now. Anna Subri, Tom Watson. <laughs> 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 this is a great time to be alive. Boris. No. The other one. Uh, Trump. <laughs> no. Uh, Mog? No. Theresa May. Great optimist. Theresa May. Oh, God. Um, I am in good biblical company along with Joseph, Moses, Daniel, and his three Hebrew friends who each found guilty by the court of their day. Somebody, um, a found guilty somebody by court found guilty. Somebody found guilty. Oh, we'll feel that one Very yes. good. Sorry, I shouldn't have shouted that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a great one for emoting in public. That sounds like Jacob. Yes. That's correct. Uh, I'm going to go for it, but there's no vacancy at present. Mark Francois. No, um, if it. To do with the Labour leadership, is it? Someone who did go for uh, Who did go for leadership? Uh, Graham Brady. <laughs> Boris. This is the easiest Boris. question in the world. Boris, Boris. Boris oh, Johnson. Right, right. Um, well, you should have said Piffle or something. <laughs> <laughs> I found a Heidi spot. There are some cubicles on one of the main paths. I've taken to hiding in there. I closed the door, turned the light off, and put my jacket over me. <laughs> oh, it's quite dark. This is yeah. um, Pudsey MP, uh, is it, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think that's right. Briggs and Gould. Andrew. Oh, no, Briggs and Gould, um, that's uh, uh, Percy. Andrew yeah, Percy's correct Percy. answer. Who, um, you can skip the next one, you haven't got very much time left. Yeah. I'm a working class kid. I can never afford class A drugs. I wouldn't want to. Michael Gove? <laughs> quite the opposite in his case um, no time up I'm afraid that was John McDonnell um, there we are well a high scoring if not particularly enlightening round uh, there. so that's we've come to the end of part one of the quiz I think you've all done very well you've managed to if nothing else polish off the mince pies these are how the scores are looking at the end of the first half the colourists are in bronze position on seven uh, the MPs have got ten but only just ahead the reporters on eleven if you want to find out what happens at the end of the quiz and quite frankly why wouldn't you uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a second episode all the pollsters are saying it's going to be close so you can expect the journalists to win by landslide for now my thanks to all of my guests and me Matt Jolly it's goodbye This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.